Welcome, everybody, to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I thought, I, thought, I thought we had another 30 seconds before we were going live. It's all good. Oh, that was awesome. I, I needed that. I appreciate that you guys. Was, that was pretty perfect. Uh, happy 421, Blaze It. Uh, no, too late. You can't do that anymore. My flight was delayed, man. My flight yeah, but, was delayed. Yeah, but on, on 421, you could definitely laze it, so it's okay. I wish, dude. We that have too much horrible. news to talk about, and we have an entire mock draft to do in this episode. You know why? Because we are officially seven days away from the first round of the NFL draft. Wow. Wow. It's wow, weird indeed. for me this year. I don't, I don't know what yeah, to do. Yeah, because you only you only have like four picks total in the entire draft, and they all yeah. are on day three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> no, we we have a third, so we do have like one late day two. That's right. Technically, you do have a day two, but we're not doing any Dolphins picks today's mock draft because we're only doing one round. Uh, trying to keep this show a reasonable length. <laughs> Uh, but we have a lot to talk about anyway before we even get there. A whole lot of news to talk about, including an entire weekend of action in the spring leagues, the FCF and the USFL. Another one coming up, too. Crazy stuff to talk about. Yeah, and you'll probably notice that we're live here on Thursday instead of uh, Monday like we had been doing. And there's a couple reasons for that, but most importantly... Uh, you know, kind of, kind of topical that we're doing the, uh, the mock draft today, and it makes sense, right? Because what's next Thursday? But the first round uh, of the NFL draft. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we will... are planning on being live for that entire whole ordeal, including before the draft starts, we'll be wrapping up our bracket time. Uh, if you've been keeping up with our bracket, we've been counting down the NFL MVPs. We will have our final four next week, and we will wrap up with the winner and ranking all the top four MVPs in next week's episode. It'll be half an hour before the draft coverage really gets gets started. So make sure you tune in to Big Dudes in the Trenches early, and stay with us for the draft, man. It's going to be a good time. But that's all next week. We have plenty to get through this week, so I say we go ahead and get started. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's hop right into it, man. NFL news is pretty light, finally. Uh, <laughs> uh, ben McAdoo, the new offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, has gone ahead and said that Sam Darnold is the starter. Doesn't well, necessarily preclude them from drafting a quarterback, I guess. <laughs> I mean, if even that aside, right? You look at it today. Yes, on the roster as of today, he is the starting quarterback. They haven't acquired Baker Mayfield yet. We all know that there's backdoor conversations going on, and they're trying to. But as of today, what he said is not wrong. I mean, that's one way to look at it. What do you think about this, man? If you really want to roll into the season with Sam Darnold, I'll have some serious questions. And that's, I, that's all there is to it. I have serious questions about a lot of quarterback situations, but <laughs> not much everybody can do. Speaking um, of questionable quarterback situations and Baker Mayfield. Right. 
Deshaun Watson is at Browns OTAs. Baker Mayfield is not at OTAs. Here's the thing about OTAs. They are optional. So it's totally fine for him not to be there. And a lot of times, veteran quarterbacks don't go to these things. Deshaun Watson on a new team. Yeah, it's good that he's there. Um, The real trouble begins when Baker Mayfield stops. You know, he doesn't show up to the mandatory off-season workouts, that would be some fine territory. Um, we'll see what happens there. I, I don't know if Baker Mayfield is really going to be traded. Um, doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of market for him, honestly. And you said the Panthers, but they haven't made a move yet. They've been very uh, reluctant to say anything about Baker Mayfield. For right. That matter. I, I will say that Deshaun Watson has officially participated as a quarterback in more Browns activities and practices this year than he did for the Texans all of last year. Um, he had a couple practices as a safety, so that's cool. Right. <laughs> um, but no, Baker Mayfield not showing up doesn't surprise me. He's upset with the team. Like, and understandably so. I don't, I don't know what you're expecting out of this or what anybody's expecting out of this. It's going to be a stalemate between Baker and the Browns until until he gets dealt. If not, the Browns are in a situation like the Texans were last year, and they're going to end up paying Baker Mayfield to not show right, up. Fine. Like, is what it is. I wonder if uh, any of these teams are going to be going to, uh, you know, Michigan spring practice to see somebody work out. We'll see. There's a lot of quarterbacks on the market, and that's without even getting into the draft, which we will, but that's going to be at the end of the show for everybody that's uh, waiting for that, for our mock draft coverage. So a little bit other NFL news, uh, small things to cover here. Uh, The Hall of Fame maximum class size has increased by one senior finalist a year now, so okay. It doesn't solve the issue I have with the Hall of Fame class. I won't get into it, but there it is. I, I, yeah. I don't know why they limit it anyway. That's the real question. Exactly. That's the real question. Um, I kind of, for as much as the baseball writers get everything wrong, the way they go about it makes complete sense to me. I just wish they were smarter about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everybody can get in. You just need to clear a certain vote threshold, right? That would make sense to me. But the way the NFL Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, goes about their business is what it is. We're not in a position to change it. So <laughs> I think John Turner here might be a, a fan of T.O. or at least an acquaintance of T.O. saying F the Hall of Fame. So we'll talk about him later in the show too. Don't you worry. You know, I've been to the Hall of Fame. It's pretty cool. At the same time, yeah, they need to – change themselves (laughs) Uh, we do have the nfl schedule release uh, it hasn't been released yet but we know what day is going to be released uh the release of when the release is happening was today that's very exciting stuff so may 12 we will know the nfl schedule why that's become such a big event i'm not even really sure and at the same time i'm very much looking forward to this Here's what doesn't make sense to me. Like, I guess May is like I mean, beginning of May for that matter is probably a good time to do the schedule release. 
However, it is so soon after the draft. If you want this to be a big event, you right. can't have it this close to the draft, right? Like this is two, three, like two weeks after the draft, and you're going to have another big event that really doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, people, it's going to be something for people to talk about. Well, people are still going to be balls deep talking about the draft at that point and all the UDFAs that are going to come out of it. Teams will still be signing undrafted free agents on May 12th. Here's my thing. We already know who everybody's playing. It's not like it's a surprise. Just post the article online again. Like, just post the article online like you used to. Yeah, but it's the NFL and they want to make money, so they're going to find a way to make more money. I don't blame them, but still. I, I agree with you, though, Bug. I would totally have done this at, like, the beginning of June. You know? Maybe do a preseason schedule May 12th and then a no season schedule. Take that back before the, the NFL of- watches our before the NFL watches Dude, our I hope stream. the NFL watches our stuff. And, and then it. actually no, makes don't, two don't events. Don't take it back. Do it. If because they start if they listening make a to my advice, out of a preseason will... schedule, I'm going to lose my mind. I would still be excited to see what the preseason schedule is. Why? <laughs> Why? Because that stuff's more interesting to me than all this quarterback drama that we have to deal with. So <laughs> at least it's something tangible. Uh, but that's really it for NFL news. Not a whole lot happening this week. We do have some other signings well, and stuff to get to in a bit. Um, and we kind of kind of gloss over the fact that Kyler Murray is holding out. That's kind of a big deal. Exactly. See, quarterback draw. I don't even <laughs> like talking about it. Um, we do have some other signings to get to. We will touch on that after our news segment, kind of as we've been doing this entire offseason. So stay tuned if you want to hear us talk about, like, you know, Denzel Ward in a minute. We will. Uh, but we have some college news to talk about here pretty briefly as well. Old Dominion has extended their head coach. Very exciting stuff. I know everybody's in here is a huge Old Dominion Monarchs fan. Uh, but That's their mascot? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Rain is now extended through 2026. That's a pretty great name, not going to lie. I was going to say, it sounds like a pro wrestler. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Roman Reigns, you know, it's pretty close. I know, I know. So Ricky Rain did lead them to their second bowl bid ever last season, and they're about to join the Conference USA, actually, this season. So pretty nice to have some continuity there. Really, technically, they've had several head coaches, but honestly, Old Dominion restarted their football program in 2007, played their first season again in 2009. And since then, they've really only had Ricky Reigns their second head coach. So it's pretty incredible the stability that Old Dominion has had. And they're on a very obvious upward trajectory through all of it. So it's pretty cool to see for Old Dominion. Uh, Opposite end of the spectrum here, Nevada has just mutually parted ways with their athletic director, Doug Newth. Uh, I will be honest with you here, it really does feel like a mutual parting of ways this time usually that's code for firing but it feels mutual this time uh, nevada kind of doug newth was good enough at his job to make nevada bigger than he's capable of making so he wants to move on to something a little bit simpler you know not saying that he's not capable but it's it's like kind of what he said in his press conference so it's it really does feel like a mutual parting of ways Nevada's done very well under him. He's been the athletic director of the Wolfpack since 2013 and did very well with men's sports, renovated all their stadiums, 
I mean, it was pretty phenomenal, really, the money he was able to bring in. Terrible job with women's sports, though. Everyone was upset with him for that stuff. So we'll see what they do with the athletic director position going forward. One of their executive vice presidents is the interim, but they have not announced really any candidates even. Uh, So we'll see what Nevada does. I know that's one of your big rivals out there in the Mountain West. Yeah, I don't care about Nevada. (laughs) That was sarcastic. Uh, (laughs) So was mine. Like, I really don't. (laughs) Like, I know, honestly, Air Force, I cared more about Colorado State and Wyoming. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Both of those teams. (laughs) Syracuse's Carrier Dome is no longer going to be called the Carrier Dome. The Carrier Global incorporated has either declined to renew or dropped their deal or agreed to terminate their deal kind of depends on who you ask right now i'm not sure what exactly happened there but right now syracuse is simply calling it the dome and they don't have a naming rights partner so we'll see what happens there it looks like they're trying to get a huge influx of cash ahead of some more renovations and now you'll say hey wasn't it just renovated Yes, it was. They're doing more renovations. <laughs> Look, this that entire stadium is cool, but it needed the amount of renovations they're putting into it. Like yes. it was it looked like it hadn't been renovated since 1988 when it opened. So that as was 100 long as they don't completely fuck up the renaming like Simon's Bank did with the Liberty Bowl. That's fine with me cuz Simon's Bank Liberty Bowl would sound great, but it's Simon's Bank Liberty Stadium. Who the fuck let that happen? When you get naming rights, you get to decide what it is. I really hope Syracuse gets Bang Bros Center. That would be perfectly fine name change for me. (laughs) No. No, that's still going to be the Heat. Okay? The Heat needs to be Uh, that. That was $118 million of renovations completed in 2020. Oh, they're trying to do like another hundred million worth of renovations. No, no, it's cool. I, 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 I know who's going to be their naming rights partner. Okay. It, it's a dome, so it's got to be Mercedes Benz. <laughs> That's only NFL teams. <laughs> Just throwing it out there, man. Like they're coming for you, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there eventually, I'm sure. But now is the part of the show where I hand it off to Bug, and we go ahead and break down all the FCF, USFL stuff. Very exciting yeah. times. So I think we'll go uh, We'll go with the USFL first just because they started first, right? They were playing on Friday and then on Saturday, and then because of weather, they had a game on Sunday. And uh, we'll talk about the games first, but before the games even started, uh, there was a player that was cut, Devon Smith was cut by the Maulers for breaking three team rules within 24 hours. And I don't know how well everybody can see it here, uh, but I'm going to start by reading the statement by the Maulers. Uh, Pittsburgh Maulers' statement on Devon Smith being cut from the team on United by Football. So this was like a little pre-show, and it kind of dominated the topic of conversation before uh, the first game of the weekend between the, uh, the Generals and the Stallions. But... On the first episode of United by Football, the weekly USFL all-access docu-series on Fox, Devon Smith was shown on camera being cut from the team by Coach Kirby Wilson. 
the show captures hundreds of hours of film with the intent of providing transparency to fans, but unfortunately much of the context was left out in this moment. Smith had violated three team rules in a 24-hour span, and in this particular incident, disrespect to a cafeteria worker which wasn't captured on film. Smith has subsequently reached out directly to Coach Wilson to apologize and asked to be reinstated to the Maulers roster. Now, he was not part of the team this week. I don't know if there's any type of update to it. Uh, there's another USFL, uh, I don't want to say drama, but little thing that's been going on there that there has been an update to, and we'll get to that after we talk about the games. But you can see here that Devon Smith retweeted this and said they just put out a lie. Y'all really should be ashamed of yourself. And he would go on to say later, I was never made aware that I violated any team rules, let alone three in a 24-hour span. I never disrespected anyone. Coach Kirby and I spoke after being released in that talk. He said he'd certainly vouch for my character. So certainly not the foot that I think the USFL wants to start out on, especially on basically their hard, their hard knocks, right? Except being the USFL, they're going to be able to cover the whole league because everybody's in Birmingham. I don't know that there's much else to say about this. It's interesting, and it's kind of sad that that's been a dominating story over these first couple weeks. I see John Turner here saying, you know, he's not a very good player. If he was good, he'd be there. Sure, but at the same time, if he's sitting here saying they're making stuff up about me and that's why I'm no longer with the team, that's not a good look for anybody. So, What confuses me here is going through the tweets, they <laughs> – it's almost like is it is it Devon or is it Davion? The only person that would probably know would be Doug, and he's got his mic muted right now for some reason. Uh, yeah, I was taking a drink. Uh, it's it's actually Devin. <laughs> Devin. What? <laughs> either way, either way. I saw the apostrophe, and I was like, Devon. I know. It's too too. Old. I know. Um, In college, at least, he was referred to as Devin. All right. So what confuses me here? is on the one hand, you have the team reporting that he apologized and has to be reinstated. Then you have him calling them liars. And then you have him saying, don't worry, coach will vouch for my character. I don't know what to believe out of this. It, none of it really makes a ton of sense. It's all kind of contradictory to itself. Well, I think what he's saying, I mean, you can see in the second tweet, I'll pull it back up here. Broke three. I wasn't made aware that I w that I broke any rules, let alone three in a twenty four hour span. Right. So I think that's more what he's referring to when he's saying that they're lying about what happened. But, but even still, if if they're like I said, it doesn't the whole the way the whole thing broke down. And I know these are are days apart, so new information came out. But the way the whole thing came across, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That doesn't sound like somebody that would want to go back to that team. But I don't know. That could be new development as of today, because that's when that broke. He went to school, the school of porn. So he is Beelzebub reincarnate, and everything he says is complete <sighs> bullshit. All right, so we're going to go straight into the game results and reactions. By far, in a way, the best game of the weekend was the one that kicked off the weekend. It was the Birmingham Stallions against the New Jersey Generals. Stallions end up winning this one 28-24. This was the only game of any of these games that I got to see all weekend. Both the USFL and FCF starting on Easter weekend is kind of a curious decision. And uh, I think that definitely hurt the USFL in general. However, on Friday, when the Birmingham team was playing in Birmingham, where all the teams are playing, 
they had excellent attendance, a near sellout for the seats that they are selling. Fox has made it pretty clear that this first year is not about attendance, and there were some massive attendance problems, not just on Saturday, but especially on Sunday. Again, Easter Sunday in the South. I I understand what people are getting at, but at the same time, come on. Know, know where this is taking place. Right, you're going to church, nobody... you're going to Ponderosa, you're going home. Yeah, like yeah. nobody's going to a football game in the South on a, on Easter Sunday, right? Right. Come on. Un- but... Unless unless the Tide is playing their spring game, and then maybe. Well, and the they Tide would have, play their spring they, game on Easter Sunday. They would have enough like... respect to do it on Saturday. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But you get my point, right? If one of their teams is playing, like, I don't know, Birmingham, even though it's in the middle of some crappy weather, because that was another factor into it, too. They did not have good weather this weekend, right? Well, that was the issue on Saturday, and that's why yeah. the Bandits and Maulers got moved to Sunday. But going back, I, I want to talk about this Stallions game a little bit. I think the general started with the ball and two, three plays during the end zone. Some amazing Second, yeah. passes. Same thing with the Stallions. They marched right down the field. Both teams were just the quarterbacks were just dropping balls in it was insane just some amazing plays by the receivers amazing play throws by the quarterbacks you're thinking maybe the defense isn't doing much but the defensive backs were being pretty rough with the receivers and to the referees credit they were just letting them play right so not a lot of drives were the only good quarterback drives the entire weekend for the usfl pretty much <laughs> pretty much I was going to say, you got you got the Stallions and Generals quarterbacks dropping balls in, and you had the Gamblers and Panthers, mostly the Panthers quarterbacks just dropping the ball. ball all game. But you'll ta- you'll notice here, the Gamblers won 17-12. to Breakers beat the Stars 23-17. to Both of those games on Saturday. And uh, then the Bandits beat the Maulers 17-3. to There were a lot of kicking issues all weekend. And really, you know, we already talked about the attendance. We talked about the scores. There's not a whole lot else to say about these games. Jordan Ta'amu for the Bandits looked like Jordan Ta'amu that we saw in the XFL. I don't know if he has any ability to elevate and get into the NFL and get a legitimate shot backing up Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's a shot, but you're backing up one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. How much of a shot are you really ever going to get? I, I'm interested to see if maybe Great. he gets a shot later on. I you don't know. You know what's really funny about you saying that? They were saying that about Tom Brady in New England, his rookie season, or his second year in behind Drew Bledsoe. Okay. In what I'm saying is, you're right, backing up, that's still a fantastic opportunity because injuries happen. I'm not wishing that on anyone. But there is a legitimate shot you have at being a backup quarterback. Like, they, it does exist. I mean, for a while there, you were probably wishing it on Tom Brady himself. But, you know. I can honestly say I have never wished an injury on a player. I have wished retirement on a player. <laughs> I will I will end with this before we get into the, uh, the kicking issue. You know, Saturday's games – had meager attendance, I'd say probably 2,000 is a generous assumption. I would say Sunday there were legitimately 15 people there. Now, I get it. I get that this is a made-for-TV league, but that is a horrible look. And it it's unfortunate that that largely overshadowed the play on the field because the Maulers were going out there doing a lot of hard-nosed, run-the-ball football, but nobody cares about that because all they're talking about is nobody was at the game. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Was this game aired on Fox? Bandits Maulers? Yes. 
I don't know. Re- it was on NBC, I want to say. What a tactic by NBC. They're announcing. So, so if this is aired by Fox, right, and Fox is out there saying that this game is not about attendance, do you think for a second their play-by-play callers would be highlighting the lack of attendance? Not a chance in hell. But here's NBC supposedly working with their biggest rival, and all they're doing the entire game is highlighting the lack of attendance. I didn't say that at all. I just like if you watch any anything from the game, it looks like a game that was played during COVID. No, it, it looks like an empty that, stadium. Yeah. I thought I thought you were saying the it was overshadowed by the announcers saying it. No, it's just what that's okay. what I'm saying. That's what everybody else is talking oh. about. And even if the announcers were talking about, it, I'm sure the Fox announcers probably would have brought it up at some point too. The yeah, it's hard not the, to talk about that. Yeah, the, it's the dead only thing quiet. I, the only thing I will add before we get to the kicking issues because I have thoughts on that too. But and I, I had said this in a different group chat. If this is going to be mostly a TV production league, which I'm A-OK with, they need to do something with their audio mixing because hearing the quadcopters in the background absolutely was annoying so as I hell. Didn't, I didn't have an issue with the quadcopters. I thought the Fox production was actually pretty good. The NBC I don't think I production a fo- was yeah. awful. I don't think the I NBC caught a Fox production. The NBC production were awful. Absolutely I awful. think Fox is about the best there is if you if you watched if you watched that stallions generals game that was a fox production it was simulcast on nbc but it was the fox production i I had it on on yeah i was gonna say i had it on peacock and i was still hearing the the that's that's not near as bad as just how poor the audio mixing for the the nbc broadcast broadcast so so now watching on the clock now, Doug, I need to ask you, is Fox the best broadcast because it has first right of refusal for Big Ten games? It's the best because I enjoy them the most. Because they have, okay, yeah, because they have first right of refusal for. It's <laughs> not what I said, dipshit. <laughs> Don't anyway. twist my words. I say what I mean, dude. <laughs> so apparently, the USFL is kind of following what the AAF did, and they have a chip in the ball except they're going to use it for measurements, even though they still use the chain gang. I don't understand why the chip is in there exactly. The AAF, they had an app. It was to track where the ball was and how players were going and all this. So I'm not 100% sure what the purpose of the chip is. Uh, I heard it mentioned that quarterbacks and receivers were kind of having issues throwing the ball because the chip is about the size of a golf ball, and it's not exactly centered in the ball. And... uh, it definitely had an impact on the kicking game. As you can see, the Panthers had 12 points, which if you are any good at math, that's 6 plus 6, which means they didn't hit a single extra point. And I didn't, again, I didn't see a ton of this. It was Easter weekend. I was spending time with my family. But it sounded like every single kick was veering the same direction, to the left, to the right, whatever it is. And kickers started saying, hey, it's because of this chip. And we need we need K balls. We need kicking balls. Just like pretty much everybody else in the world does. You have your game ball and you have your kicking ball. Well, the USFL has come out today and said, yep, we're going to K balls just like most other traditional leagues. Kickers will have their own balls for punts, kickoffs, field goals, etc. So, Good. yes, hopefully that issue will be resolved. The kickers will be able to show that they actually – can do what they're on the team to do and they're not just uh warm bodies taking up space so to speak so 
I will say I love the idea of using the chip for measurement, but it doesn't really help you if it's in the ball. Like, first off, we make microchips that weigh almost nothing and would not have any any effect on flight trajectory of, of a football, whether based on the weight of it or just based on the aerodynamics. I don't care. Would not affect it. Um, but secondly, if you're using it for measurement and you have it inside the ball and it's not at the nose of the ball, both ends, you're not getting a good measurement out of it because all you need is just a hair of that ball, the tip of that ball, just barely crossing what the first down marker is. Yeah. Yeah. Deal with it, Doug. Um, I, I like what they're doing. I like the concept behind it. It's something I've been advocating the NFL do for a long time. What you need to do, though, is you need to take a microchip, put four – you need eight on the ball. Like, I hate to say it, but you need eight. One in the front – in the, the front edge of the ball in all four quadrants on both edges of it. That's how you get the most accurate measurement out of this if this is what you're trying to do with it. <coughs> I think you need to replace the referee chain gang with an actual prison chain gang part of their volunteer service. God damn I think, it, Doug. I think they would be more accurate than most referees. I'm sticking with my goddamn it. <laughs> so one last thing on the USFL. Of course, we will have more USO, USFL action starting tomorrow, or if you're an audio listener, later tonight. Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern on USA, the Panthers will play the Generals. Over-under is 41.5 with the Generals a 1.5-point favorite. Saturday. I'll take the under on all of these, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You got to take the under. Especially on this next one. The Maulers versus the Stars is going to be at 12 noon Eastern on Fox. Stars are a 6.5-point favorite with the over-under at 36. I'm betting there's like 25 points scored. <laughs> Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, FS1. Stallions, minus 3.5 versus the Gamblers. Over-under of 41.5. We talked about it already. The Stallions, Generals, had the largest attendance of the weekend. I expect Stallions Gamblers to have a large attendance. I'm surprised the Stallions only have a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. They're going to have a crowd there. They're going to have the crowd support. I think it's uh, that's probably the most sure bet out of all these, in my opinion. Don't take my advice, and definitely don't gamble more than you can responsibly do. You know, Last the home, home field advantage is usually only three points. So they're basically giving them half a point plus – you know, it's at Birmingham, so interesting. Just, yep. Yeah, the Gamblers, I don't know. I don't think they look that good against a bad Panthers team. Anyway, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC, it'll be the Breakers versus the Bandits, who are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Of course, the Bandits led by Jordan Ta'ami, like we already talked about, and the over-under there is 40-and-a-half. There will be two teams that are winless and two teams that are undefeated coming out of this week. I I might I might take the over on the Breakers Bandits. That one's going to be close to the actual spread there. Those two teams combined last night uh last week for 40 points and the spread's at 40 and a half. Yeah, I probably take I I'm looking at the the over on that one. Yeah, I'm betting the Panthers score zero, so I'm taking the Generals and the under. <laughs> That's just cuz they're from the state up north. Well, and they're trash. So the this I can confirm. The general scored twenty four points, whereas the Panthers the scored three. Yeah. So right. As, as sorry, far as the Panthers, we know, the Panthers scored won. twelve. Sorry, it was the Maulers that scored three. Okay. Still, 
as far as we know right now, as far as we can tell, the Stallions and the Generals look like the best teams in the league. They're the most complete teams is the way I would put it. Fair. Absolutely. Fair. But, but that's it. Unless you got anything else, Doug. I don't want to cut I, you off. Just because we said that, though, the Panthers are probably going to win the league this year. I I, I will say I never expected – I already forgot his name. Um, the former coach of Arizona and Texas A&M. Uh, that's coaching Kevin the, Sumlin. Uh, yeah, I've never never expected to see Kevin Sumlin out coach Jeff uh, Jeff Fisher, but that was a thing on Saturday. So, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. Jeff. Oh he he makes the peanut butter. No wonder he can't coach football. He's too busy making peanut butter. <laughs> Man, let's move Come on to the FCF before we like ruin the entire experience. So, uh. We'll start with this. I again, I saw maybe three plays. There were a couple uh, presentation things that I really enjoyed. Right, we've talked about how the FCF is kind of this cross between video, this perfect cross between video games and live football. One of the things everybody does when they're playing Madden is check the play art of the play they just picked. Well, the FCF incorporated that. So once the play got picked, they blasted that on the field. Everybody got to see what the play was going to be. And you got to see the team execute it. Now, again, I only saw about five plays this weekend, and I didn't see the play that we're going to show a highlight of here later. But don't worry. Uh, we do have that T.O. highlight for you coming in quick. Quick recap, though. The Beasts uh, win 36. That's a statement I never thought I would hear again. And I'm yeah. so excited it's a thing. It was his sole reception of the game. So it was a, it was a big one for the, uh, for me, the Zippers. One for one for six. like Right. For 11 yards. Uh, the beast, the beast beat the Glacier Boys thirty-six to twenty. Board eight football club, board eight football club won thirty-six to thirty-three over the Knights of Degen on a walk-off. Or no, I stand corrected. The walk-off was the last game of the night. It was eight Oki versus the Kingpins. They won twenty-eight to twenty-six. Kingpins scored a touchdown with about four seconds remaining, and as time expired. Aoki threw a walk-off TD pass to win 28-26. to It was an absolute thing of beauty. Arena football I, so much fun. Oh, man, especially with the FCF. And I, I wish I'd taken – I wish I'd put that video in here now too, honestly. And I, I am – I'm regretting it now and I'm thinking about it. But the, uh, the Zappers, or Zippers, as they were called until uh, draft time yesterday, we'll talk, we'll talk about that here momentarily as well. You can see here, they weren't doing so hot against Should Have Been Stars, formerly the Wild Aces, and the whole story on that is ridiculous. I finally did some digging and figured out what happened there. That's a story for a different time. However, this play, well, let's just let's just watch. Maybe you get one here. So here's a first and ten on the 11, likely last play. Horton steps up, throws to the end zone, up for grabs, hold in, Terrell Owens! His first catch in fan controlled. It is 2022. Terrell Owens is a Hall of Famer and 48 years old. Still going up over the top. Just absolutely ridiculous. I will say it's nice to hear some fans in the background there. Right. Very. That's a welcome change. Well, and speaking of which, you can kind of see some fans in the background of this picture of Austin Eckler here. 
He was uh, talking some trash before the game, and uh, how about we make this interesting? You win, and we'll change our name to the Zippers until next week, until next week's draft, which was yesterday at time of recording. We win, it's never been stars. Hit me, uh, HML. Fuck, I, I'm not going to try and figure out what that means right now. But you can see I took the screenshot uh, after that's, the that's Zappers lost. That's hate my life. That's hate yeah. my life. And uh, I don't have the next one, but you can see it. They did. They honored their bet. Changed the name to the Zippers for a few days. Back to being the Zappers if you go look at, F- at FCF Zappers. And uh, they're good sports about it. And this is one of the things that I think everybody loves about the FCF is they don't take themselves too seriously. They want to go out there. They want to have a good time. They want to play football, put a good product on the field. But they also want to entertain the fans. And with that, not only did T.O. play, but he got in the booth and was calling parts of the game, doing interviews, you got to love that an NFL Hall of Famer, or a pro football Hall of Famer, I should say, is getting out there, not only playing, contributing, getting eyes on the league, he's going out there and contributing in other ways to the league as well. Man, I, I love everything about about T.O. right now. While we're on T.O., I have a crazy, crazy conspiracy theory that I'm going to start pushing now. All right. T.O. wants to go back to the NFL, right? As far as like we know. He's, yeah. Um, his team owner on the Zappers is a current player. And uh, I'm just saying I would 100% be there for watching T.O. catch balls from Justin Herbert. Austin Eckler is definitely a part owner of the Zappers and is on the No, Chargers. he's not. He's All a the way part around. owner of the should have been stars. Yep. Oh, I, okay. I thought, I thought he was on the nope. – damn. Nah. Yep. That would Look. be great having T.O. on the Chargers. That, but like, for, think about that. That'd still be awesome. Like, it'd be great having Co almost anywhere. Let's be real. That'd be fun. Nah. Although but, it's bad as if he goes to the Cowboys. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. If he ended up back in Dallas. Oh my I'm god, I'd love it. I would love it. <laughs> but again, you know, I don't have a lot else to add. Uh, presentation. Very much the same as last year, but having fans in the stands, having Pullman yards to their to their selves and being able to set it up exactly how they want it to. Fans being there in their little suites. Not traditional bleachers, which I think was a pretty cool idea on the FCS part. Make everybody feel like they're getting that VIP experience with how they have the setup in there. It looks great, and I'm looking forward to actually being able to sit down and watch all of this. Now, with eight teams, they have broken it up into two different sessions so there are two different streams on twitch the first one will start at 1 p.m eastern time board ape football club going up against team eight Oki, and then at 3 p.m eastern it'll be knights of dgen going up against the kingpins in the second session it'll be the glacier boys against the zappers at 7 p.m and at 9 p.m eastern to round out the night it'll be should have been stars against the beasts it's going to be fun it's always fun. I'm looking forward to it. But that is all I have for non-NFL Pro News. We spent way more time on that than I thought we would. Let's get through these offseason moves and on to our mock draft coverage. To be fair, spring leagues were way more fun than we thought they were going to be, too. So. <sighs> that's that's very true. All right, so offseason moves time. Uh, just as we've been doing this entire offseason, we save this until after the rest of the other news. Because why bog down the first part of our show with some signings? But we do want to talk about them nonetheless. 
so no trades this week. Uh, very, very different from the past couple of weeks. Some huge deals happening this entire offseason. No trades, finally. Uh, no big retirements. I mean, Kylie Fitz retired. You know, linebacker for started one game in his career. Very good. big, big deal. Uh, one more game than I ever will, so good for him. At the same time, I'm not going to spend much, much time on that. Signings, the big one. Denzel Ward is now the highest paid cornerback in NFL history. God damn it. <laughs> just in time for Xavier Howard to complain about his contract again. He just signed one. I should be good at least this season. Doubt. Five years, $100.5 million to Denzel Ward. Baker Mayfield still can't get traded. <laughs> so clearly the cap is a lie. You're paying two quarterbacks and one cornerback <laughs> here. You're not wrong. Um, I mean, it's it's really obvious why they did it. Denzel Ward is fantastic. Um, honestly, Denzel he, Ward. I was say he's one of those cornerbacks that you look at it and he doesn't look. He doesn't have the flashy stats. But that's because he's so good. Quarterbacks don't pass at him. He is not uh, uh, <coughs> Trayvon Diggs, who you throw right. to him, and yeah, he might pick it off, but it also might go for six. You just don't throw at Denzel Ward. Very interesting to see what happens here with a couple other big name corners coming up on their deals, like Jair Alexander. Are the Packers really going to be able to afford this kind of a deal now? I mean, this the Browns are resetting the market on a couple of positions this offseason in some rough ways for other teams. Fascinating to see what happens going forward. Uh, other big signing that we haven't talked about yet, Derek Carr, a three-year, $121.5 million deal, technically, I guess, but let's be real, it's a one-year deal uh, with a little bit of guaranteed money, but there's an out for the last two years. It's really just guaranteeing that Derek Carr stays this season and is happy this season. They can work on something in the future. Uh, with the new coach coming in, I understand why he structured it this way. So it's pretty interesting to see what they're going to be able to do. If they build up an offensive line, they do feel like they could compete. Even though they are in the AFC West, they're still a pretty good team. Yeah. No, it's, it's a big lockdown. And I'm... As much as I hate the owners, I do appreciate seeing team-friendly contracts like this. Like, sometimes they're worth it, and this is a situation where it is. Another kind of team-friendly deal that makes complete sense. Stephon Gilmore to the Indianapolis Colts. Really a one-year deal. Technically listed as a two-year, $20 million deal. Uh, there's a clear out after the first year. Stephon Gilmore is getting very much older, but they needed that help on the boundary. That's a pretty significant pickup. If he can play at all like he has the past couple of years, that's a good improvement for the Colts. Should be right back in contention with the Titans for that division crown. How does this next guy keep getting contracts? Because he was a first-round pick. Like number four overall. <laughs> Sammy Watkins to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, that's, oh I, I skipped one. My bad. Oh, okay. But also him too. Like both of these guys, how do they keep getting contracts? Yeah. So you were looking at AJ Green going back yeah. to the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, 
they can catch the ball. Can they run? I don't know. I was I was way out in left field. I thought you were talking about Seattle signing for uh, for a guy <laughs> that's him. making way more than uh, who their starter is looking like it's going to be. One Just of add him to the list of first. how does he keep Hold getting on. contracts too. I'll I'll get there. Hold on. Uh, Miles Boykin was waived by the Ravens and then picked up immediately off waivers by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So staying in division there. Three big receiver moves, big in quotes. I mean, Sammy Watkins, A.J. Green, Miles Boykin. At the same time, those are known quantities, you know, respectable names. James O'Shaughnessy's back in Chicago. That's fun. Tight end for you, Bug. I know how much you love tight ends. Awesome. <laughs> and Geno Smith is making over double what Drew Locke is on a one-year deal now. The, the one Seattle. thing to... The one thing to note here, and I can kind of justify it. One, I'm not sold like Pete Carroll would have us believe that Drew Locke is the starter, but also Drew Locke is still on his rookie contract. So why would I go and offer to pay him more when I can have him for 1.5 mil? Gino, 3.5 for a solid backup. That's about the going rate. And he really didn't look that bad in relief of Russell Wilson. It was just... There were a few throws he couldn't make. So it's like you don't want to have him long term. But if you need him in a pinch, it's not the worst thing in the world to have Geno Smith. Better than Drew Locke, that's for sure. (laughs) I just really want to see Geno Smith start over Drew Locke because he's making more money. That would be hilarious, and I would approve. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. That's fair. That's fair. Also, the Seahawks do need to draft a quarterback, please. <laughs> and with that being said, I think it's time for our mock draft. Uh... Um, so the way this is going to be structured is basically one of us needs to flip a coin to start us off here. I have a better I, idea. I was going to say, Doug, if you want number one, you take number one, man. No, I have a better idea. Doug, your team made it further in the playoffs than Tug's team. So, John, you're going first. That's incredible. I enjoy that. <laughs> the reasoning makes me sound like I win games. So, I'm going for the it. The Titans won oh, hold a, on. a good amount if, of games. If you're going to give him that, then I'm going to remind him that there's just one game he could not win. Why you got to do that? We're not even talking about college football right now. That's just rude. And you're done speaking for the rest of the show. <laughs> Goodbye, Tug. Uh, I'm doing the mock draft by myself. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to go through all 32 picks here. <laughs> no, so we're going to go back and forth, Tug and I. Uh, Bug, feel free to interject anytime if you want to stop us every single pick and talk about it. I, that's totally cool. If you don't want to talk about a certain guy, skip it. I don't care. Uh, we're going to go back and forth. And sounds like Tug's going to get number one overall. I'll get number two. And we'll go back and forth that way. Uh, we're using the Draft Network. If you don't know what the Draft Network is, go check them out. TheDraftNetwork.com. Seriously, this is best, not sponsored at all. Yeah, but best I love them. drafts I've ever used. I subscribe to them because their stuff is amazing. Legitimately, check it out. Uh, also, their mock draft engine is pretty fantastic. So that's what we're going to be using. If you're watching us on Twitch, that's the screen you're going to be seeing here. So if you go ahead and pull up my screen, Bug. 
There we go. All right. And go ahead and start us off, Todd. Who do you got the Jaguars taking at number one overall? Yeah, I I know what conventional thought tells me to do. I know what all of the analysts are telling me to do. But with the first pick of the BDT mock draft, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Evan Neal and try to protect Trevor Lawrence out there. Uh, all the analysts are saying uh, Aiden Hutchinson – I like that fit, but I like Evan Neal more. Uh, I think it's a much bigger need at this moment. Uh, you need to protect your investment, so I'm going Evan Neal. I will say that is like 95% not happening. But I, I respect it. <laughs> we, this is my mock draft. Not I'm not Jacksonville's front office. I'm a little bit more intelligent, I like to think. I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if, if I'm the Lions here, I'm very excited. Aiden Hutchinson is available. That's a no-brainer for me at this point. I'm taking Aiden Hutchinson. Fair enough. Wow. How much did that hurt you to say? I don't say the name of his school. So what I want to throw out here, too, is even if I, – I, I hate to do this because it, it kind of tips picks the rest of the way. For whatever reason, Jacksonville, let's just break this down a little bit. They want to go back to the Saxonville days, get that mantra back. They do go Aiden Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Who do you think the Lions would take? Would they take Tavon Walker, who the draft network has higher, or would they take KV on Thibodeau? Right now the buzz is for Trayvon Walker. Um, there is speculation that they will go quarterback if that happens. I'm not sold on that. They've brought in all the quarterbacks for interviews, but at some point you have to consider they do have two first-round picks. You know, if there's a guy they feel comfortable waiting on, number 32 overall is a cheaper contract, and you still get the fifth-year option, right? So why not go ahead and wait if you can get a solid edge rusher? The theory right now is probably going to be Trayvon Walker if that happens, but... I mean, I prefer Thibodeau, personally. We'll see. I need to I need to look at this one here real quick because I am making a decision. It is going to be an edge rusher. And ironically, it is that same conversation you guys were just having. Uh, so I am looking to see who I think is a better scheme fit for the Texans. And honestly, the Texans need... The, the Texans need somebody to draw people to the stands. That could either be Trayvon Walker or Kayvon uh, Thibodeau. That being said, Thibodeau had a bigger name throughout the season, had a couple injuries he was dealing with. I, th I think the Texans go Thibodeau here. So I'm, I'm going to take uh, Kayvon Thibodeau for the Texans at number three. Weird thing with Thibodeau. I'm not really sure why, but he's been slipping down a lot of draft boards recently. Uh, still going in the top 10, but definitely not as high as three recently. So I still like him a lot. Good to see him go here. The Jets at four is fascinating. This is a weird spot. Really, anything could happen. There are a couple of ways to go about this, right? Um, you have to think, Mekhi Becton wasn't healthy all last season. You're not entirely certain he's your guy. Also, what else do you have on that offensive line? At the same time, your defensive line is hopes and dreams. 
And what else do you have on the entire roster? <laughs> so, I think what I want to do today is go with the unconventional, but, you know, I've seen a couple of people do this before for the Jets here. We're going to go ahead and take a receiver at number four overall. What the f- and right now, that would be Garrett Wilson. Wow. Okay. Let me let me just say, that is entirely too early for anybody to be taking a receiver. I agree. <laughs> but it's the Jets, and that makes sense. Um. Now, see, Doug, you were telling me that if you were the Tex or the the Lions earlier, and the Jags took Evan Neal, you were ecstatic. I'm now repaying the favor because if I am the Giants and this draft works out this way, uh, I'm ecstatic to take Ikemikwanu at number five. Yeah, I like Icky a lot. He's also fantastic at guard, and the Giants need both tackle and guard. So wherever he ends up fitting in best in the offseason, go ahead and slot him in and start him for the next 15 years. Um, Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers here. I'm going to work under the assumption that they don't take a quarterback just because I think that's interesting. The next obvious fit would be tackle, but do I really like Charles cross this high? I don't know. Is it's not exactly the Panthers style at the same time. A good tackle can make up for most scheme deficiencies, right? Um, I think here you're going like kind of a best player available situation. I think you see Trayvon Walker still available. You have to take him. That that makes sense, and I feel like I feel like Carolina's kind of in that position where that's just what they're going to end up doing anyway. I don't. Carolina, I guess, is just interesting to me. I can't really put my thumb on what exactly is wrong with that team or what they aren't doing correctly. But something isn't working out right now. And I don't know if they even know how to fix all of it and get it all corrected. But, man, I it's it's just tough. It's a tough look. That would be a very fun defense, though, now with Brian Burns, Trayvon Walker, and Jeremy Chin. Like, that yeah. would be that'd be pretty fun. So, who do you have in I seven? Agree. I agree. Ooh. At seven, the Giants here, they're looking for something that fits, but also semi-best player available. So, there's two that I see that are defensive candidates here. I think they're going to reach for the bigger need, and he's been having a fantastic draft process, fantastic offseason. I'm actually going to go for Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame for the Giants here. It's funny you say he's had a fantastic draft process. A lot of people are slipping Kyle Hamilton down the board a little bit. Uh, again, I don't entirely understand why. I was going to say, know... his when I say fantastic offseason, his workouts, his combine, he was top-notch in those. He might be slipping because he has a bad attitude in the interviews. I don't know. No, it's actually the exact opposite of that. His 40 time wasn't good enough for most people. So, fair enough. <laughs> um, so the Atlanta Falcons, another really weird situation. They need almost everything at the same time. What in the world do you prioritize? The edge rushers are mostly gone. 
the Garrett Wilson's off the board. That hurts. I think I would have gone Garrett Wilson here if he were available. Do I want to reach for a Drake London type? Not exactly. I want somebody who can get over the top, and I think that kind of thing is available and probably in round two for me if I'm the Falcons here. I don't want to take a quarterback yet. I do have Marcus Mariota on a two-year deal. And it's not particularly a strong class. Definitely not one where you're taking a quarterback first round and expecting to get value on your return there. Right. At the same time, the thought of sitting Malik Willis behind Marcus Mariota sounds interesting enough that it would make me stop and think a minute. (laughs) Which is what you're doing right now. I think the best thing for them would be just go ahead and take Jermaine Johnson here. I love that pick. It's a good fit right there. There are a lot of ways that could have gone. (laughs) Seattle. All right, Doug, I know you said you weren't really keen on uh, Charles Cross at uh, number four. However, on the Seattle Seahawks, he's sitting at number nine right now, and I know he's gone the next pick if I don't take him here. Uh, so actually if I'm the Falcons, I'm expecting the jets to, again, assuming this works out this way, I'm expecting the jets to try to jump Seattle here. Uh, but I'm going to take Charles cross at number nine. I wish the Seahawks would do that. They always let me down in drafting offensive line. This is why this is our mock draft, not the uh, Seattle mock draft. So the jets have missed out on all the top tackles. They've missed out on all the top edge rushers. Uh, what in the world do they do now? Again, probably best player available. That would be Sauce. Yep. And it I mean, fills the need, top need for him too. They need everything, so it's not a, it's not necessarily a bad pick. But realistically, it would be much better for the Jets to go after Garrett Wilson at number ten. If the, if you think the Falcons will pass on him, go ahead and take him at ten and try to get a tackle or edge rusher at four. I think you're worried about Garrett Wilson going at eight. And so you go ahead and take him. Hey, if you like the guy, take him. It doesn't yep. reaches are only reaches if they don't work out in the long run. If the guy ends up being a perennial pro bowler, nobody's going to care that you took him earlier than Mel Kuyper said you should have. Ooh. All right, Washington has an interesting setup here. Uh, You've got really two receivers in range for them, but you've also got a cornerback, both of which are big needs here. Um, mm. I had said that the Washington uh, commanders need another outside wide receiver, somebody to play opposite Terry McLaurin. Uh, This guy's going to be a little bit slower but he's got that big playability. I think Drake London here from USC makes a lot of sense uh, going to Washington at number 11. I don't hate it. <laughs> I, dude, honestly, I was sitting there. I forgot Drake London was there. And I was like, do I take Jamison? So, so here's my actual original thought. Do I take Derek Stingley? Do I take Jamison Williams knowing he has a leg issue? And then I went to Chris Olave, right? So those were my first three that I noticed. The reason I don't want to go Olave is because they do have some good slot guys out there. They need another boundary wide receiver. And Drake London is 
again, unless I'm mixing up my guys, Drake London is that big bodied outside wide receiver, physical type wide receiver. Drake London is really weird, man. He is six foot five. He played a lot of slot at USC. You, USC is a weird program right now, though. See, but that Fair. slot position, the way a lot of offenses are kind of going too now, though, having a bigger guy in the slot is really just moving your tight end out there. We saw Kyle Pitts right. do it a lot in college as well, right? Yep. And with the Falcons so far. And with yep. the Falcons. So I, I don't know that Drake London will reclassify necessarily as a tight end with his body type and his size. He's more of that modern tight end, if you will, where he's going to play. He He's not going to put his hand in the dirt, and I don't know that that'll be anything anybody wants to try and make him do. I doubt The it. commanders or whoever takes him for real. But I imagine it'll be in sets like that. I don't know that he has the speed to play outside. And honestly, having a big guy in the slot isn't the worst thing in the world when you really think about it. He doesn't have the speed of some of these other top receivers, but he is—he does have speed. It's not like he's tight end slow. Well, he, Kyle he Pitts also, isn't tight end slow either. He also can't block worth of anything, <laughs> which so. is why he's a wide receiver, right? So right. he'll stay. He'll probably slot on the outside. I think you're right. At the same time, he definitely could play that slot role, he, that outside off the line tight end role. Yeah. Absolutely good, and he has done it in college. So, all right, Minnesota at 12, another kind of what-in-the-world-do-you-do situation. I've had problems mocking the Minnesota Vikings for the past five, six years. I have no idea what the Vikings are ever going to do. It feels like they have needs everywhere, and at the same time, they're just good enough to get by almost everywhere, which is probably why they end up going roughly 500 almost every year. So... I think what we're going to do here is go ahead and take potentially the best player in the entire draft at number 12 overall. That would be Derek Stingley Jr. If he plays like he did in 2019, he is without a doubt the best player in this entire draft class. If he plays like he did in 2021, um, he is pretty good. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> but, you know, the Vikings do need some defensive back help. Ooh. I have the Texans at number 13. And this is tempting to do what we have all said should not be done. The the word out of the Texans camp is that Davis Mills is their starting quarterback. But I feel like if you're sitting here at 13 and you've got you're staring down Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, both of them on the board, those guys are hard to pass up. Better draft process. Man, it's gonna be hard for them to pass on Malik Willis here at number 13. I still think it's early for them, but the 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 fit makes sense and it gives them that competition they're looking for in camp for a quarterback. I wish teams were smart enough to learn from their own mistakes and they tried to do this exact thing with Deshaun Watson with honestly with David Carr. I mean, they, they just, they take quarterbacks too early. They need another year or two of building the team before a quarterback can really get in there. I don't disagree. (laughs) 
but also I think you're right. They'll they're going to jump the gun too soon. If it's this year or next year, it'll be too soon. So yep. they're going to take somebody. <laughs> what do you think, Bug? Man. I mean, ignoring the fact that we just went 12 picks without a quarterback get coming off the board. Like... Right. <laughs> I I get what you're saying, but again, you know, I I think they're out here saying that Davis Mills is the quarterback of the future because they want to say, yep, we're okay with Deshaun Watson leaving, even though we all know they're not. I think they're yeah. going to go forward with Davis Mills because they kind of have to right now, right? That being said, drafting Malik Willis does not make sense when you're staring down a very poor record again this season. So why not run it with Davis Mills? Maybe he surprises you. Maybe he is going to be your guy moving forward. And if he is, perfect. If he's not, next year's draft class has a lot of great quarterbacks in it. So why, you know, why draft quarterbacks in three consecutive years? Then again, we're talking about the Texans, right? So, so the only thing I'm going to say is, and D- Doug has said this, going into the season, you're right. Next year's quarterback class is a lot deeper. By a lot deeper, I mean there are two day one NFL starters in next year's draft class. Right. So, <laughs> so really what the Texans are taking the bet here is, can I guarantee myself the number one and number two overall pick with Davis Mills, or am I going to find myself slightly outside of that and get a Malik Willis talent anyway? Um, uh, that's, that's really kind Hard of conversation. Exactly. And I think they're going to take the bet of, uh, I'm probably going to get a Malik Willis. That's hard conversation. Interesting to see what happens there. So the Ravens of 14. They're static <sighs> right now. Well, I don't know exactly what you're thinking, but I'm thinking, um, they love, rotating defensive line pieces all the time. And if there's one defensive line piece in this draft who needs to be <laughs> in a rotation, it is Jordan Davis. Uh, that is he, exactly what I was thinking. He can't stay on the field very long, but when he can, he is very big disruptive. Um, he needs to trim a little bit of weight. Even at the weight he was, though, he was an athletic freak. Dude can move like nobody's business. I don't know how he does it, but the Ravens will love that. And actually, kind of a good Calais Campbell replacement when he inevitably retires in the next year or two. All right, I'm looking at the Eagles, Doug, and we always talk about the New Orleans Buckeyes. Well, I'm here to tell you guys about the rise of the Philadelphia Tide. Uh, and the Eagles are going to continue building that receiver core. Uh, and they're going to take Jamison Williams here. So you got Jalen Hurts, Jamison Williams, and Devontae Smith. Assuming Jamison Williams' knee heals up. Brutal. Taking three receivers in three consecutive first rounds. That's again. To follow. I'm not really counting Jalen Rager. Most you because I have keep to, because he does I, exist. I know, <laughs> I but I keep, say. I keep forgetting he exists because he's always hurt. And you're taking one that's hurt right now. <laughs> it's the Eagles. Why do you expect him to be competent? I don't expect you to be competent. That's the problem. Also, um, that was definitely who I would target if I were the Saints. 
in the next pick. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're the New Orleans Buckeyes, and, well, he's still available. I know. At the same time, <laughs> I don't know if I want to take Chris Olave right here. Um, what I'm uh, thinking yeah. is I just lost Teron Armstead, and if I don't take Trevor Penning right now, the Chargers absolutely will. Yep. So I'm taking Trevor Penning at 16. The question is, now that now that you're doing that and I agree with it, was that the reason for their trade to jump the Chargers? We were talking about how when the, the Saints make a trade, as much as they paid for the trade up, is that the guy they were targeting? That's a very so, realistic option. <clears throat> I think it probably was because, again, we keep going to this quarterback conversation. Who's their starting quarterback this year? James Winston. <clears throat> Do you really think he's a guy they want They want to put their trust in long-term? They only signed him to a one-year deal, so clearly not. <laughs> exactly. you got to look again at next year's draft class. We've talked about all their cap situations, all the guys that they continuously – they're hemorrhaging veteran players. <clears throat> Take all of that into account. Do I think they're going to be a high draft pick? No. They might be able to work some type of trade up that way depending on what they're willing to give up, get line this year and start working that in working in that direction. All right, Doug, I'm sitting here. Chargers just lost out on uh, Trevor Penning. They're a little pissed off. Uh, you were telling me earlier how the Ravens needed a rotational defensive lineman. The Chargers need a starting defensive lineman who could be there for three downs. And I'm really liking Jordan Davis's teammate right here at this pick to fill that need for him. Uh, De- uh, Devontae Wyatt has a lot more stamina than Jordan Davis, a lot more, uh, a lot of that same big play potential, and he's got the positional versatility on top. Honestly, so I, a lot more pass rush ability than his that's, teammate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jordan Davis is your classic run stuffer, classic Ravens defender. Honestly, Devontae Wyatt's actually... the guy who gets at the. Guy who gets the quarterback. I actually prefer Devontae White as a prospect. There's been some news about him recently that's going to drop him on some boards. At the same time, Devontae White is incredible. And I, assuming that stuff's in his past, I'm looking forward to a great career from him. Have they have there been boards that have dropped him out of the first round? Yes. There is I know of there is one unnamed AFC team who has said he's no longer on their board at all. So I I mean, AFC, it could potentially be the Chargers, right? Right. But I will – I'll throw this out here too. It is crazy to me that teams want to do that after seeing what Michael Parsons was able to do this past uh, year. Now, granted, well, it's one year. You know, you don't know if right. – Everybody does that every year, though. They overreact yeah, everything. And <laughs> it, happened with, it happened with Laramie Tunsil too. A dude hit a gas mask Joe bomb. Mixon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the list is, the list is never ending. So thing is, know, of course, normally normally those guys do end up going after the first round. So to see Micah Parsons and now Devontae White in this situation do end up but, going in the first round, that would. But be... if they if they do stay in the first round, usually it's in this range, eleven to seventeen is where they right. have been going. Right, Laramie Tunsil, thirteen. Yep, one of the most legendary Dolphins draft picks of all time. Traded to the Texans to get us more draft picks. Right. All right. Um, Philadelphia Eagles at 18. Wide receiver is no longer a need. 
Uh, you know what really, really, really is a need is any help on that offensive line because everybody gets hurt all the time. <laughs> um, I think you're looking at a situation where the center is probably retiring after the season. He almost the, did this season. At the same time, your guards are who exactly right now? Right. Uh, turn um, in style. <laughs> so I need a guy who can do both. And I don't honestly know that Tyler Linderbaum can be a great guard. He has the size, the agility, the awareness to play center. He does not have the size to play guard. In that situation, I'm taking Zion Johnson over Tyler Linderbaum, even though I think Tyler Linderbaum would fit their scheme amazingly and is probably the better prospect to, for me personally. But he plays center. He will be a center. He needs to start at center. And I don't want to take a backup in the first round. So Zion Johnson for me here. Doug, I think the uh, the gamble worked for the New Orleans Buckeyes. I think sitting at 19, this is a perfect, perfect place for him. Uh, unless you have any massive disagreements, Chris, oh, oh my Olave is going going here to the Saints. Suave Olave. I am amazed he made it all the way to 19, not just because you two are in charge of the draft here, but <laughs> I, so, I just I don't understand how Drake London in particular gets taken above him. I know I don't like it either, but it's the way the board's going. And and understand this too in, in real life, and this happens every single year with wide receivers. The second the first one goes, there's a run of like six of them because everyone gets afraid that all the receivers are going to be gone. That might not happen this year because there are so many. It's such a deep class at wide receiver that yeah. you might see this. But the ch I, I would be willing to bet that you're going to see a run of at least three or four wide receivers back-to-back -back just because everyone gets real antsy as soon as that first wide receiver goes. I would say probably more impressive than Drake London going because when you look at the commanders and look at their room, London's a, a little bit of a different player than what they have there already, right? And having a mix of receivers, never a bad thing. I would definitely say Jameson Williams is probably the more bigger head-scratcher here. Your reasoning is just that the Eagles like their Alabama receivers and the Saints like their Ohio State receivers, and that's that's good enough for me. I just don't know that, that uh, that's going to work, work out in real yeah, life. So, so, so the real reasoning there is coming down to that um, is coming down to that slot versus outside wide receiver. Chris Olave really is your classic short yardage situation. You make a play and all of a sudden he's 75 yards down the field because somebody forgot he was on the field. Jamison Williams is more of a true outside guy. The Eagles already have Devontae Smith who can fill both that outside and that slot role on any given down. They're not going to stack up on inside slot guys, right? So for me, Jamison Williams makes more sense there for scheme fit and for team fit rather than Olave. That, that was the actual logical path I took to get there. You don't have to be logical. It's the NFL draft, man. Anything goes. I was told to be competent not 10 picks ago. <laughs> Valid. Uh, so, the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 20. Now, 
The draft network here says they need interior offensive line. I disagree with that. They have worked on interior offensive line this offseason. They need tackle more than they need interior. And there are no tackles in this range. I am not taking a center right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a couple of guys that they've paid this offseason um, to be on that interior and rotational. Um, I know... Um, Wow, I'm pulling a tug right now. I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, James Daniels played center in college and, you know, has been an intriguing guard, if, if not the best of guards, for the Chicago Bears uh, before signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers this offseason, right? Maybe you take him and put him at center. That's very possible. So, I'm not taking interior. There are no tackles in this range. Therefore, I'm going to go with cornerback. And what I'm thinking here is, first of all, I like Andrew Booth Jr. a lot here, actually. I think the Steelers are looking for a big corner who can instantly match up with Jamar Chase in division. I'm going to take Kyler Gordon here, which, according to this board, looks like a reach. I think it's very likely he goes in round one. That's diving into a lot of Pac-12 that me and Tug absolutely know nothing about. So, (laughs) good pick there. You were able to keep us from really saying anything. Nice. (laughs) I I think every Pittsburgh fan's wet dream is that they take Kenny Pickett. The issue is the Steelers are actually kind of heavy at quarterback and they've got two guys now that they have decent enough faith in both of them. Honestly, uh, Trubisky, obviously the situation is that, Oh, well, his coach was Matt Nagy. So he's better than we think he is. Mason Rudolph was good enough. And Trubisky won an MVP award. He did, he did win the MVP, the, the inaugural MVP in a losing effort. What this really comes down to, though, and what the biggest issue here is, are either of those guys somebody want to move forward with? Now, right. Kenny Pickett might not be that either. You really, you know, as much as Pittsburgh fans and Pittsburgh diehards might want to see Kenny Pickett taken here, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if that's what happens on draft day, too. Let's be real. Everybody loves to take a quarterback in the first round, and he very likely will be there. Man, I don't know that that's the best pick. I, even if Kyler Gordon is a bit of a reach, I, it's a better pick than taking Kenny Pickett. And now, Doug, you have your division rival. Yeah, I've got my division rival. And, uh, Doug, I'm, I'm going to go Pac-12 with this one, too. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, big, biggest need out there for the Patriots. Uh, if I remember right, this dude was all over the field. We highlighted him a couple times uh, in our segments. Uh, I'm gonna take my way Ooh. down to, I'm gonna take my way down to Mormonville, and I'm taking Devin Lloyd to fill that linebacker position uh, for the Patriots out there. I am a big fan of Devin Lloyd. Very big fan of Devin Lloyd. Um, probably now considered to be one A and one B either order with Nicobe Dean at linebacker uh, in this draft class. But I, I love Devin Lloyd. 
<laughs> I think he's a great player. Uh, and I was able to watch him in the Rose Bowl against my Buckeyes. And I enjoyed the second half. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so now here at 22, I have the Green Bay Packers. Um, <laughs> I'm not taking do a receiver. It. I'm take not taking a receiver. Take a quarterback. Do it. I'm not taking a quarterback. Damn I'm it. also not taking a receiver here. Um, here's the deal. Receivers. I was just saying, I'm staring down three Big Ten players that I think would all be good fits for uh, Pittsburgh here, except maybe one of them. But Green Bay. Deal. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, but he's also from that team up north, so I wouldn't expect you to take him anyway. This board is very weird right now, honestly. I, I don't think I've ever had a board look like this at this point in the draft. It is giving me pause a bit. <laughs> At the same time, I'm going to stick with what I know, and the Packers aren't taking the receiver. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Boye Mafe. Oh, you didn't go anyway. It was a Big Ten player, though. He is. He's a pretty good athlete, and, you know, they need pass rush. They need, they need a lot of pass rush help. So it does make a lot of sense for them positional need. At the same time, you leave George Karloftis on the table. That's what I was going to ask right. is why why Mafe over Karloftis? Really, Karloftis to me – all right, so the way I have explained this in the past, sometimes at the top of the board you get these athletic freaks that don't really fit any position. Right, we saw that with Kyle Pitts last year. He played tight end because where else are you gonna put him on the field? He's <laughs> he's eight hundred feet tall and he runs a two second forty time. So he he ends up playing tight end. He's just a great athlete. Karloftis is the exact opposite of that, where he's not really that amazing of an athlete for an NFL player. Like he's a better athlete than I am, but for an NFL player. He's not that amazing of an athlete. He is so technically sound that he is worth a first-round pick. Legitimately, he is right now technically ready to go at the NFL level. I don't think Green Bay appreciates that as much as they appreciate athleticism with their edge rushers the way they have drafted in recent years. So I went with Mafe, more of the athletic guy, more of the upside guy, I think especially in a place like Green Bay, they look long-term. And Mafe is a little bit longer-term, but he has a higher ceiling than Karloftis. Fair enough. All right, I'm looking at this. The Arizona Cardinals absolutely 100% need a cornerback. Um, so I'm looking at Andrew Booth and Trent McDuffie. So you want outside or slot? I don't think but it matters for him. I don't think it matters for them. And I do like that Trent McDuffie, while yes, an inherently inside corner, is also versatile with where he can play. He can play zone on the outside. He can lock you down inside. I love that. I love the versatility there. I think it's a better fit right now because of that. Uh, because okay. they don't have really any corners at this point. Uh, right. So I'm going to take Trent McDuffie and put him all over the field. 
Fair enough. I do like Trent McDuffie a lot. Uh, I went with Kyler Gordon mostly because of the size, but honestly, I think Trent McDuffie is a better corner. Uh, just, I think Trent McDuffie is a really interesting case study because it's like, why in the world would you take a slot receiver, so a slot corner, sorry, so high in the draft? At the same time, he legitimately has the potential to be the best slot corner in the NFL as soon as the end of year one. Did, like, he is really good at that. Did, didn't the Lions take a true slot corner that they tried to make an outside corner like a year and a half ago? You talking about Jeff Okuda? I am. Um, he was 100% outside corner okay. and ended up sucking at the NFL level. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, he will probably end up being moved to safety at some point. That's, let's be real. <laughs> That's fair. That's the Cowboys at 24. Um, two ways I could go with this. Karloftis is available. That feels like a Cowboys pick. Yes, because he's white. Also, God you need a safety. <laughs> you need a safety. You need help for, Trent, uh, for uh, Trayvon Diggs. So, what do you do here? I'm probably going to take Jackson Hill. What school is he from? We're not going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of Michigan players that you have taken in this draft is insane to me. (laughs) All right. Uh, I'm I'm looking at this, and Stefan Diggs just got a big contract. Unfortunately, uh, you don't have anybody play opposite end of him. So now, after us having many back and forth about how he's a fantastic corner. We're finally going to take him off the board. Ooh. Andrew Booth is coming off. Uh, I thought you were just talking about setting up a receiver. Stefan Diggs. I, it really there. sounded like uh, you were setting up a receiver I, there. Opposite. T- I, yeah, I, I realized opposite. what I said, but uh, right. literally opposite him on the field. like Andrew Booth. Andrew Booth Jr. Okay. All right. Making sure. <laughs> I do like that pick. Uh, if Andrew Booth falls that far, absolutely snatch him up in a second. I don't know if he falls that far. So, oh, 100%. Yeah. Fascinating pick for the Bills here. Let's talk Titans at number 26 overall. There are problems in that receiving room. And A.J. Brown doesn't even want to be there anymore, apparently. Uh, he has since come out and said that's bullshit and wants to sign a new contract. So we'll see what happens. Didn't they he do delete have, everything Titans off of all of his social media, though? He put it back already. <laughs> I feel like that's such – I mean, I, I don't want to derail the draft here. Right. But that is such the prima donna receiver right. move nowadays. As soon, like, And really, any player. Cause I, I was I think, just going to say any player. Kyler, Murray yeah, did Kyler it. Murray's done it. Yeah. Uh, Debo Deshaun Samuel's Watson done it. it. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. didn't even touch on Debo Samuel either. Like, it's just. Oh yeah, he requested a trade. By the way, there, oh, there's the God. news on him. Yeah, it's, right. There's and he so doesn't much want to be in the backfield anymore. There it is. Right. It's, it's 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 the move. So everybody's like, "Oh, he don't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there." Surely the Titans are going to take a receiver, but. I think even if he does want to be there, the Titans still need to take a receiver here. Me personally. I agree, but I don't want to sway Doug's opinion here of where he thinks his team should go, which, congratulations, you got to pick for the Titans. Honestly, it's a real question of who fits 
the scheme best? I honestly don't know. Um, I think I I have who I want them to take, and I have who I think actually fits better, and they're two different people. So I would love to see Sky Moore go in this position. I think Sky Moore is an incredible receiver and should be getting a lot more first-round love than he's getting. At the same time, does that actually fit what Ryan Tannehill is capable of? I don't know. Uh, even Jahan Dotson, right? I love that kind of outside threat. I know he's five foot ten, but he plays as if he were seven foot three. It's amazing. I don't know how he does it. He did it to Ohio State several times, so I've seen it several times. <laughs> but the best fit, I think, scheme wise, is going to be Traylon Burks. He's more of your yards after catch guy. He's a bigger body guy. He can go out and hit people, and he likes doing it. So that definitely fits the Titans more. Taking trail on Burks. Woo pig. There we go. Damn right. That was soul cleansing from taking two players from the team up north. Uh, <laughs> I know who I want to take here, but Can I also it? know <laughs> I also know they need a guard, not a center. Well, they kind of need both. I don't know. Either way. I, you do have Ryan Jensen back, so. Yeah. And the thing is, is, I don't know if Linderbaum's athleticism fits with, with the offense that the Bucks run. Right. right? You're, you're talking a pulling center, which is blowing my mind amazing that that's a thing. <laughs> that's a first-round talent and should go. It's just... He's in an unfortunate situation where he's so unique. There's just not that big of a a, a, a need out there for him. I, I feel where this is going, and I already like it. So say it, spit it out. Uh, they do need that interior offensive line. Doug, I'm sorry if I disappoint you here, but I'm I'm gonna go Kenyon Green. I agree. I'm a, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the guard out of. A&M. Texas A&M. And, uh, so you trade for Shaq Mason, and then Allie Marpet retires. So you get a replacement in the draft. That's yeah, like... Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Green Bay Packers, once again for me. Are they uh, taking now, a quarterback? Now, now's the time for Desmond Ritter. Uh, <laughs> 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 so I'm not you have, you have no idea how happy it would make me if they took quarterbacks in the first round like two quarterbacks in the first round. <laughs> yeah oh my god two of the past three years of quarterback in the first round would make me the happiest person no, in the this world this year they take two. Oh, that would <laughs> and it's not even the, would... the like the top ones they take carson strong and sam howell that would be <laughs> beautiful the sad part is carson strong is was Jordan Love's replacement at Utah State? Was it? Oh no, he's Nevada. No, Nevada. He's Nevada. Same colors, close enough. Yeah, same colors, same conference. I tried. Are you are you actually going to take a wide receiver here? Do you legitimately do you think they take a wide receiver in the first round? I legitimately don't think they do that. 
I think they go. I think they double down on defense. I can't wait. Look, you know the Bears don't have a first round pick, so I'm literally going to get all my joy in this first round from surfing Twitter after Packers picks when they don't take a wide receiver. The real question is here: Do they go interior defensive line? Do they go for that defensive tackle? And there is a pretty good one here. Or they go linebacker. I think the answer for the Packers historically has been more linebacker. I'm probably going to go Nicobe Dean here. I like it. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're sending it. That's, it. That's double down on defense for the team who definitely needs a receiver. And just sign Sammy Watkins. I was going to say, no, no, they don't need a receiver. They signed Sammy Watkins. All right. Um, yeah. Beautiful. This is. So that leaves plenty of receivers for the Chiefs to choose from. <laughs> back to back yeah. picks here, too. And, right. and you're. Wait, Doug, you were just talking about a player who is 5'10, plays like he's 7'3. Huh. That sounds like a receiver the Chiefs just lost. Sounds like a quick replacement for him uh, with the first pick for the Chiefs because they do go back-to-back here. Chiefs are going to take Jahan Dotson. Boom. As the Tyreek Hill wannabe replacement. Yeah. Um, he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, obviously. Almost nobody in the world is. But at the same time... I'm yeah, so ready for that race. Jalen Waddle versus Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I am so ready for that race. I will only watch it if they also bring in Usain Bolt. Same. <laughs> I will look at the results and be happy, but I will only actively watch it. If I could see Usain Bolt smoke yes. him by an entire, like, two seconds on a, <laughs> on a 40. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so back-to-back picks for the Chiefs here. They are in desperate need for a couple of different positions on defense. And at the same time, they love offense so much, they just took it with number 29 overall. So what do they do here? They need help on the boundary uh, very badly. Who do they have at cornerback? I don't know. Do you know? No, you don't. Promise you, you don't. Uh, they also need edge rush help. They need some kind of pass rush. They also they need over-the-top help in a safety. Yes, they do. So I think you go best defensive player available. Now, what does that mean <laughs> um, when there's this array of defensive players on the board? It's really going to depend on your evaluations of these guys. I think <sighs> I think I know what I would do here, but I'm going to let you pick first. My brain is telling me to go George Karloftis. My my heart wants to go with Lewis Scene. This is very difficult for me. The whole world is watching you, Doug. Make Her. a pick, sir. I'll be I'll be responsible. I'll take George Kolaptis. All right, 
the reason I smiled so big when you said Lewis seen is if he gets past the Bucks because the Bucks absolutely need that help at safety, and he's sitting there for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs grab him. Um, but I think that's I, very possible. And, and, I like it him a lot. and it wouldn't surprise me to see the Chiefs go pass on the receiver and go George Karloftis and Lewis seen back to back. That would not surprise me either because they do need that much help. But I am ecstatic right now. Uh, See, hold a... on before before you get into the Bengals pick because I think it's pretty obvious where we all think they should go. They got to go somewhere on the offensive line. I'm not going to tip exactly who you're going to take, but or it's staring us all back. right in the face, right? Or defensive back, <clears throat> or defensive back. But what I want to look at here too is you you took George Karlofkis, and yeah, they need they need a pass rush. They don't have anything on defense, and it's least of all uh, past defense, right? That secondary. Tyron Matthew, he's not re-signed yet. He's he's still not signed anywhere, right? Right. He's slow playing it. Yeah, so he's not completely out, but he's certainly not on the Chiefs right now. Well, To me, it was between Elam and Seen. So the fact that you went Karlofkis, it makes sense. They do need some more pass rush. But in the AFC West, especially with the addition of Russell Wilson in Denver, they have to get some secondary or they're going to be way behind the rest of the division. I The only caveat I'm going to put there is if you can get to the quarterback, you can bail out your secondary. So the edge rusher still makes sense there. You can, but I don't think that secondary is bad, man. You're, it is. I'm not disagreeing, right? But what I'm saying is, even bad secondaries have had good games against Russell Wilson in the second half of the season because he spent the entire game, the entire season, running away from defenders, right? But that wasn't necessarily because he was playing a good pass rush. That was because he didn't have an offensive line. But now you're bolstering your pass rush. This is a way of caveating it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying this still isn't a bad pick when you look at it on the surface. Even even the way you're the lens you're looking through, there's still a benefit here for the Chiefs. And if you're looking at best defensive player available, that's probably the right answer. Although I, with Doug, my heart is with Lewis Seen. I love, first of all, that we're having this much debate over mock draft. Second of all, um, that was part of my point, was to get this much conversation going. So it was very cool to see that it worked out for me. And third, um, I'm big dude at heart. Notice the name of the show. Not not just at heart, my man. I'm a big dude in the waist. <laughs> and if you build the trenches first, everything else falls into place eventually. Yep. That's true. Very true. All right. Bengals. I'm excited. Because this one actually makes sense. I don't care that they signed Ted Karras. I uh, believe that's who they signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a cra- he, honestly, he's a good holdover center. But here's the thing: Joe Barr likes to get out of the pocket. If now you can scheme a protected boot with your center, that's going to be amazing at the NFL level. Giving Jamar Chase years <laughs> to get downfield, hundred percent. Tyler Linderbaum here, and I, I honestly don't know if there's a better fit for him in the first round this year. Like, when you actually break it down, the more I think about it, the more I fall in love with this pick. That would be pretty incredible. I will say, at the same time, he does have a lot of the same game as the Eagles' current center, uh, so that could make some sense, too. 
We'll see what happens. To me, he's one of he's one of my personal top five players in this entire draft. Uh, positionally, he falls to the bottom of the first round every time. It just it is what it is. A center is not as valuable as a tackle or an edge rusher. But come on, um, that leaves me with the lines of thirty two. Absolutely wild to me that in this mock draft. We have had one quarterback go the entire time. At the same time, you know, not that unreasonable, to be fair. This quarterback class is kind of ass. In our defense, this is kind of what the NFL executives are saying. It's an unrealistic expectation, but a lot of the word that I've heard out of a lot of the executives is, it's just not that good of a class. So I'm sitting here thinking, all right, if if I'm the Lions here, I'm thinking, I have another pick, two picks later. Obviously, safety is a very big need for me. So is receiver. Even if the Jaguars go safety in the next pick, I have another one here that's pretty good and I can take immediately. Or I can go a whole other position, pick up, I don't know, one of my favorite receivers in this draft class in Sky Moore. Who's Um, also a hometown player. George Pickens is amazing and falls the second round simply because he didn't have as much tape this season as other players do. You know, there are plenty of options here. Also, at number 32, you have the fifth-year option. Who is that most valuable for? Usually it's quarterbacks. With the options on the board, the real question is what kind of scheme... Does Dan Campbell want for his offense? Uh, uh, Smash mouth. He runs a very smash mouth type offense. He's going to punch you in the face and then come over the top. And who is better than that? Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter? So I will will say this. I've seen Desmond Ritter struggle more than I've seen Kenny Pickett struggle. True. You've you only also have... only seen Kenny Pickett succeed one year. Also you've only, true. You've only had one year of tape. Well, one year of good tape. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go Kenny Pickett here. No. But... No, so based on what we just said, okay. especially with DeAndre Swift, Desmond Ritter fits better in a run first scheme versus a spread offense. The Lions are nowhere near ready for a spread offense, which is what Kenny Pickett thrived in at Pittsburgh. I I would probably, if these are my options and that's what you're looking for, understanding that D- Dan Campbell is 100% your old school coach, I would lean Desmond Ritter here. Personally, it is your pick. I'm just telling you what my analysis would be after just reviewing some some of the quick blurbs on them. But yeah. Here's my thing. I totally agree with you. I also think NFL teams are generally dumber than I want them to be. So I'm going to say Kenny Pickett here simply because he is the higher rated quarterback prospect. And that's what the Lions are going to consider more than scheme fit. And that's why the Lions are consistently picking at the top of the draft. So that is the first round mock draft from the big dudes in the trenches. Uh, Very, very interesting selections here. I would be shocked if this is how the first round goes. At the same time, it was definitely a fun conversation and always, always a good time. 
to talk I, about these draft prospects with you guys. I will say, if we get ten, 10 of these picks correct, that's a win for us. Dude, if we get a single one of these picks absolutely 100% correct, that will be shocking, astounding. Who does that? Ever? I think Evan Neal might be a lock, if I'm being honest. Dude, no way. No. No way. It's 98% Aiden Hutchinson at this point. It, Which is really weird because usually by this point, we've known who the first overall pick is for like three weeks. I know. I know. I just, I. I don't see Jack. I do see them taking Aiden Hutchinson. I don't see them really wanting to pass up on offensive line, though. It's the Jaguars. They just franchise yeah. tagged Cam Robinson and think they're good at tackle now. Yep. Let's <laughs> be real. That's what's going to happen. Ben, you're, you're, you're thinking logically. I, I need you to stop that. Right. That's what you're, I did in the draft. You're thinking long term. You're thinking logically. Bullshit. You got to cut that out. I mean, the conversation is if Aiden Hutchinson lines Malik Willis, and I, what? Right. <laughs> right. But we ended up taking Malik Willis at 13 with the Houston Texans, which is even wilder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you would like to see an entire mock draft for your team, or if you would like to see, I don't know, Another couple first-round mock drafts by me. Uh, you can go ahead and check it out on bdtfootball.com. I have published a couple of mock drafts myself. And this entire week, new full-team mock drafts are being published every day. That means I take, for example, the Jacksonville Jaguars, do all of their picks for all seven rounds, and... It will culminate in this coming Monday, an entire seven-round mock draft published on BETfootball.com. Make sure to check it out if you're interested. But that right there was our first-round mock draft. Very, very exciting times. And we haven't talked about it a bunch yet, and I've been doing a very poor job of keeping up with it on, uh, on the social medias, which partially, all right, Doug has been putting out a couple of teams a day of their full draft. Well, it's now, 32 in five days. So three days of six teams and today and tomorrow is seven teams. So now yeah. when he, when he first told me about it, I was like, okay, cool. It'll just be one article. And then I went and looked. No, he published an individual blog for each and every team. And I was just like, that's more than I want to focus on right now. So yeah. if you want to go check it out though, it is up on bdtfootball.com as well as a couple other mock drafts. Doug's done a lot of work doing all these mock drafts because mock drafts are fun and it's fun to talk about. Yes. So go check it Thanks. out. Look for your favorite team. Look through all the different teams. See if you're where your favorite college player is being taken as they take that next step into the NFL. And if you're watching us live and you don't see your team up yet, wait until tomorrow. All five weekdays this week, new teams are being published. So, for example, the Miami Dolphins are going up tomorrow. Stay tuned, Tug. It's going to be the shortest article for, like, any team this year. I'm pretty sure that it is, yes. I was surprised <laughs> by that. but They had yeah. so many picks a couple weeks ago. What the, Rams, the Rams have, like, 14 sixth-round picks, so they beat you out by a lot. 
even though they don't pick until the third round as well. <laughs> wild, wild stuff. But BDTfootball.com is where you can catch all that. And if you were lucky enough to see your team be tweeted out by Big Ben, that is on Twitter at BDTfootball. Yeah, and I'll I'll get I'll get on it. I need to stop being lazy. Do my job. Uh, you have three kids. You're allowed to be lazy Whoa. a couple of days. I do. I, I guess that is. It is bracket time. That leaves Whoa. us with one remaining it thing of business to take care of. So I didn't know what else to call it. I started a sentence. I ended up calling it a Let's thing of business. See how That's totally bracket unfolds. What else could we, we have our do? bracket time We're so right now. We're still counting that down hasn't happened the since best MVP time. in NFL history. We have gone from literally the beginning of when the MVP award was first created. Jim Brown won back-to-back. Jim Brown's gone now. We're down to the not elite eight of our bracket time here. And we have all these matchups prepared for you with results from our social media polls. Thank you guys so much for voting on everything. Twitter at BDT football, facebook.com slash BDT football and Instagram at BDT underscore football on Instagram. Make sure you vote in the polls. Thank you to those who did vote in the polls and let's go ahead and get started here. The first matchup of the day today, 2001, Kurt Warner, 1977 Walter Payton and social media did go with Walter Payton here. Uh, let's start with Tug mm. and and see what you can do. This one's tough, man. But it's also tough for me because I'm forgetting if this is Pete Kurt Warner, if it was 99 Kurt Warner, that was Pete Kurt Warner. And unfortunately, I've got to deal with him later. <laughs> Um, man, 14 to 4,800 yards in the early 2000s. That looks like that was the NFL record at the time. I don't know if it was, but that's got to be up there close to that. More importantly, he's 0.3% away from having the nicest completion percentage in NFL history. True. I, ah, oh, man, I think, I think I'm going to go Kurt Warner here. I'm going to give him a vote. It's real nice of you, and I appreciate you doing that. This would honestly be a harder task if it wasn't for the fact that ninety nine Warner is better, in my opinion. Mm. Like it really doesn't come into play that I'm a Bears fan and obviously a Walter Payton fan. And by the way, Walter Payton dominated Kurt Warner on social media so that really swings a lot in his favor too I think I do think you're right though I think this was Kurt Warner's best year that should go in his favor however yeah Bears were second in the NFC Central that season running back different league running back really never controlled huh 11 fumbles too 11 fumbles too and yet but this is the Kurt Warner that gave the rise to the evil empire. Yeah, I, that definitely that definitely has to knock him down a couple points at <laughs> least, right? Losing that Super Bowl. 
Uh, Granted, though, the Patriots cheated that year, but you know what you gonna cheated, do? They cheated all the time. They, they always cheat. Anyway, I, I'm gonna stick with social media just because I really don't want to have to go against Walter Payton. They made this really easy for me. Walter Honest, Payton's gonna move on here. Honestly, I'm glad you did that because when we get to one of our future matchups, I really want to avoid dealing with a Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner in the final. That would just get confusing. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about we'll talk <laughs> about ninety nine Kurt Warner here in a little bit. But not right now, because right now we're gonna move to two thousand thirteen Peyton Manning up against nineteen ninety four Steve Young and social media did go with Peyton Manning here. Uh start with Bug this time. What do you think? Uh it's no surprise why they went with Peyton Manning, if we're being completely honest. The one thing Steve Young does have is a better completion percentage and the Super Bowl victory. However, touchdown-to-interception ratio, and while he does have a very nice passing yards total, it pales in comparison to what Peyton Manning threw. And, oh, by the way, Peyton Manning had 20 more touchdowns while having the same amount of interceptions. This one's pretty obvious. It's got to go to Peyton Manning, I think. While I agree, I will highlight that these were, what, 20 years apart in different leagues. Um, But I do agree. It's still Peyton Manning for me, Um, 100%. Uh, it's it's gonna be tough to take down peak Peyton Manning, and this is this is him. Like this is it. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty tough matchup there. Honestly, twenty years apart, twenty touchdowns different makes sense for what the league has become. So, honestly, pretty comparable. But Peyton Manning gets the edge here. Uh, next matchup oh, no. today, fourteen hundred more yards though. Whew. I know, I know. I know. That's why Peyton Manning's moving on. <laughs> yeah, but with significantly less pass attempts because he had a higher completion percentage. But, yes, Peyton Manning's moving on. Next up, we have the second-ever unanimous MVP in NFL history, 2019 Lamar Jackson, up against 1999 Kurt Warner. Uh, start with Tug. Wait, I didn't well, even say we'll social start with media. Social media. Yeah. yeah, they went with Kurt Warner. Um, and we'll start with Tug. <laughs> Man, this is hard for me to go against Lamar Jackson here, and let me tell you why. You had one less touchdown, half the interceptions. Granted, Lamar's touchdowns were also on the ground, but that's significant because it's a big deal when a running back gets a thousand yard season. Lamar Jackson put up a 3,000-yard season through the air and 1,200 on the ground. That is fantastic. And he also had a higher completion percentage than Kurt Warner here. I'm going to throw the vote at Lamar Jackson, but I think I know which way this vote's going, and it's entirely valid. So we have a situation where Lamar Jackson was the unanimous NFL MVP. Uh, He tied with Kurt Warner on Twitter. He tied with Kurt Warner on Facebook, but Instagram, 100% clean sweep for Kurt Warner. That blew my mind. In saying that, though, you got to look at it. His passing numbers for 1999 are phenomenal. It was the start of the greatest show on turf. This was this was the era of the St. Louis Rams, and it was because of Kurt Warner. It was led by Kurt Warner. I want to look at this, too. Yeah unanimous MVP, nobody really cares about the Ravens. Nobody talks about how great that Ravens team was. 
Lamar Jackson had a great season. As far as individual performances go, I think you got to give a little bit more of that to Lamar Jackson. However, greater impact on the league, on his team, on the game of football, I think goes to Kurt Warner in 1999. And I think that's why I got to go with Kurt Warner. I will agree with you on team. I won't agree with you on league and and if on the game of football because in large part Lamar Jackson expanded what Michael Vick did, but to the point where now it's widely accepted to look for that dual threat quarterback. Lamar Jackson really did start kicking that off. The only issue, and this is why I do agree with where, like I'm not trying to change your vote, man. Lamar Jackson went 14 and two and lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. That's an issue. You know who we lost to? The Patriots. That's, yeah. I'm about to make myself change my vote, so Ben, make yours. Like, I I said, I'm going with Kurt Warner. All right, I think we're moving Kurt Warner on. This is is really close. Honestly, I think I would have voted Lamar Jackson too, but we do have social media voting for me here. Uh, so it's two to one for Kurt Warner here. Man, this is close. Um, almost identical, really yeah, overall stat is... wise. So, wow, um, what what a conversation! <laughs> yeah, it's. I think you know. I think the biggest thing too is, I don't know that we've seen an offense that complete run that effectively since then, right? You look at the Chiefs, it was all through the air, all big chunk plays. You look at what the Patriots were able to do, they mixed the running back in to basically spell Tom Brady for a couple plays, and then he just nickel and dimed you down the field. And that's what a lot of these other great offenses or great teams have been doing. The Rams were something different. They really incorporated the running back into the passing game with Marshall Falk. And, oh, by the way, he was able to run the ball like crazy. That's why he won the MVP in 2000. He was eliminated earlier in the bracket, obviously. Man, it's just – it's this was tough. I was very surprised to see Instagram go so hard and heavy with Kurt Warner. But, you know, Kurt Warner is moving on, and we'll move on here to our next matchup. This is not unanimous MVP Tom Brady. This is 2007 Tom Brady up against 1997 Barry Sanders. Very, very weird matchup here, honestly. Uh, But social media did go with 2007 Brady. And we'll kick it off with Bug. Who do you got? Man. So Brady, like this was honestly our closest matchup on social media. And it's probably just Brady hate, if I'm being honest. There wasn't a single poll where he really pulled away like Kurt Warner did, like Peyton Manning did, like Walter Payton did. All I can figure is that this is Manning hate. Or maybe there are some football purists that want to see another running back in the mix here. Right? We talked about how this has become such a quarterback heavy award in recent years we already talked about peak Peyton Manning this was peak Tom Brady this was peak New England Patriots I don't know how you go with Barry Sanders as much as I want to because man 
Barry Sanders had a great year on a terrible team. And the Detroit Lions would be even more of a joke if they never had a talent like Barry Sanders, like Calvin Johnson. Barry Sanders, to me, is... uh, We'll call it the St. Pete's of the NCAA tournament this year. (laughs) A little Cinderella story who, honestly, if we're being completely real with each other, is just lucky to be here. I still maintain he should have lost last round. But I also say that because Barry Sanders was, was not even the best running back in his division in the bracket. I'm a little bitter that this isn't LaDainian Tomlinson if I'm being completely honest with you guys. And this is me saying this as a Dolphins fan, wearing my Dolphins jersey, saying that I need to wash my mouth out because I'm going to take Tom Brady here. Actually, um, Lazanian Thomason lost the 1999 Kurt Warner. Different division of the bracket. But, you know. That's what I was about to say. Oh, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm still upset that Lazanian Thomason was not number four. All right. Uh, Fair enough. At least in here. But either way, to me, honestly, this is Tom, uh, uh, the Tom Brady year. Like, this was his year that people started looking at him and going, wait a minute. He might actually be the GOAT. And then he built on that. This was his Randy Moss season. Uh, man, I'm just so glad that the 2007 Giants existed. Um <laughs> I, I hate saying it, but I, I cannot give this to Barry Sanders here. I'm going Tom Brady. Man, that does it for our not elite eight. Uh, Tom Brady moving on here. And our final four next week will consist of Walter Payton, Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, and Tom Brady. That is a stacked final four, if I've ever heard. And, and it's all peak versions of those quarterbacks and – if I'm not mistaken, Ben, you can correct me. Peak Walter Payton, too. I mean, it was his MVP season, so it's relatively safe to assume. Look, 2021 was Aaron Rodgers' MVP season, too, but I'm not calling that peak Aaron Rodgers. Fair. So Fair and the, balanced. <laughs> it was the year he ran for the most yards. The next closest he ever got was 84, which, of course, they ended up winning uh, – the Super Bowl, Super Bowl being played in '85, obviously. Yeah, MVP. or no, I take that back. That was that's backwards. League MVP should have gone to Rex Grossman. What are you talking about? I'm just pulling out random Bears players, man. Anyway, uh, so next week we'll work a little bit differently for our social media polls. Uh, same with our last couple of brackets here. Instead of doing Walter Payton versus Peyton Manning. We're going to do all of these guys in a single poll. That means the social media votes, social media votes determine the winner of this entire bracket. You guys will be picking first place, number one overall best MVP in NFL history. Whoever wins the social media polls is going to be slotted in as number one best ever. Then we will have a conversation on the show before the draft starts, we'll have a conversation about who slots into number two, number three, and number four. But social media poll will be all four of those guys combined. You guys are picking 
who ends up number one. So just like with our Heisman bracket, you guys pick Barry Sanders. You won't get to pick Barry Sanders this time. But Walter Payton, Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, and Tom Brady are four very fine choices. Good luck to you guys, honestly, in making a decision there because, wow, I'm glad I don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I'm real glad that I'm not responsible for freaking number one. I, I remember the one time that, we tried that, and it almost resulted in a fight on air. Uh, right. That's why we don't do it anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, and the other time we did it, we had a guest on, and ended up changing the results very drastically. So now we do it with social media polls. Go ahead and vote. And thank you so much for doing so. Social medias have been scrolling across the bottom of the screen. I did shout them out at the beginning of the segment as well. We'll do so. I guess right now, too. Why not? Go ahead. At BDT Football on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash BDT Football. And our Instagram is BDT underscore football. Of course, you can reach out to us any way that you can imagine. Email. Um, I'll give you my cell phone number if you wanted to talk about football with me. It's totally fine. Um, please don't call me during normal working hours. So <laughs> let's. <laughs> Let's move on before I dox myself, and I think that probably does it for our show. I've got nothing this week, man. All on you, bud. How do you have nothing? We've been going for two hours and eight minutes, and that's just it? You're just tapped out at the end here? Bro, I've been tapped out all day. (laughs) That is sad, but understandable. Well... I'll just do it nice and simple, nice and quick here. Somebody once asked me to hold water with two structures. You know what I said? You don't give a damn? Well, damn. I hate both of you. I was close. You were, close. You <laughs> were on the right track. I wasn't you were on there. the right track. I was close, and I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> But all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening or watching. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the game.